Peterson is taking care of things right now. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown. Georgia Southern. Pass swings. On the way. It's gone! It is well with my stolen Montgomery! Georgia Southern wins! Welcome to Georgia Southern Extra. I'm your host, Nathan Dominance, the sports content editor of the Savannah Morning News. And, uh, and savannahnow.com and Georgia Southern Extra. We usually talk about football, but the, uh, the football team is on a, an off week this week. So it's a perfect opportunity to talk to Brian Berg, the head coach of the Georgia Southern Eagles men's basketball team. And Brian is in his second season and we have so many things to ask him. So let's get right to it. Uh, Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Nathan. Glad to be okay. here. Okay. Great to have you on. Now we haven't, we've talked before, but we haven't talked extensively. So I'm going to ask you, a lot of open-ended questions and, and let people get to know you a little bit. Uh, and then we'll talk more in depth about the season, which starts very soon. When, when is the opener against Ball State? It's going to be November 9th. Okay. Now we're taping November this. November 9th. It'll be here uh, where you know it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so we're taping this on Tuesday, October 19th. Uh, and whenever people listen to it, just remember it's on Tuesday. So sometimes things change. But with basketball, everything is lined up. Uh, no surprises, I don't think. Um, so, well, first off, I wanted to ask, go back to when you were hired. Um, you were Jared Benko, uh, the athletic director, Jared Benko's first hire, I believe, as athletic director. Is that correct? You guys started uh, yes, at the same was. time. We actually started on the same day. Uh, April 1st was our, our, our first day together. Uh, sounds like a trick by the accounting department to keep things straight. <laughs> um, now, I'm, this is kind of a deep question to start off with. I, I guess it's deep, but um, a lot of times when, when coaches are already on an existing staff and an athletic director comes in, uh, you, you hear like he or she wants to put it, their own people in, in place, that everybody there kind of has to audition for the new head coach or the new athletic director. But you have, you, you, as like you said, you started on the same time. Does that give you kind of a, a peace of mind or kind of a, a, a starting point? Like, I know I have this kind of time to build my program i'm not trying to impress somebody else i've already got the job and it was i was handpicked by jared and and the committee so do you feel like that's that's the a preferred way to go is to be a guy that starts a coach that starts at the same time or shortly thereafter the new athletic director is that a, an advantage in some ways well, i think it's a great question nathan the one thing i'll say is i'm following a great coach mark byington you know he's done he's done a great job in his year one at james madison uh, coming on board here at Georgia Southern, the direction that we have under Jared Benko, um, he's a star in the business. Uh, I think he's done an unbelievable job in year one. Uh, also, the direction of our overall university, Dr. Kyle Marrero, uh, enrollment's on an all, all-time high. Um, and then also, if you look across the board in our athletic department, we have great coaches. Uh, we have great coaches across the board in all sports. So for me to be here at Georgia Southern, uh, this is an unbelievable opportunity not only for the men's basketball program and under, you know, my direction, but also just working with great coaches across the board. Uh, I like the leadership of Jared Benko, his administration uh, that, that that he's assembled. And um, the future is bright here at Georgia Southern. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you, you, uh, you, you make a lot of good points. I, I think um, uh, Jared seems to express uh, exactly what he expects out of people. Um in terms of evaluating the job people do you know, specifically, do you kind of feel like you, you know where you are, where you stand with him? Well, without a doubt. I think he's, you know, very, very direct. Um, he's just a great leader. 
has great vision for the overall athletic department. Um, I'm excited with the direction our program is moving. Uh, excited in going into year two. Uh, it's been a very unique time period taking over a program during a pandemic. Um, you know, going through two recruiting classes where you can't actually meet student athletes. Uh, so it has been a very unique time period, but we feel like our culture's in place. Excited to, to start year two. You, you, you must have been excited just to be the head coach. Uh, for people that haven't read your bio, they should set aside a good long time to read because, uh, Brian, you, you've been a lot of places. You paid your dues. Uh, you worked your way up. I think you followed a path that's kind of a proven path on how to make your way through the world of college basketball. Do you feel like um, that that this was eventually going to come when you were doing all the the, the, the jobs that had to be done, uh, basketball operations, assistant coach, recruiting, all the things that you've done, could, did you foresee, well, someday I'm going to have my own program? Was that always the plan? That's been the plan from day one. You know, mm-hmm. Back whenever I was running a concession stand at Garden City, I, I had always dreamed of having the opportunity to run my own program. I've been very fortunate throughout my journey to work with great people from LaBelle Moten, Robbie Lane, Kermit Davis, Chris Beard, Mark Berger, Brian Marshall, all those guys that I had the, the ability to work with, you know, I learned from. And I've been very fortunate to, to surround myself with great people at every place that I've been. I wouldn't change my journey. It's molded me into not only the basketball coach that I am, but uh, also the person that I am today. So I've been very fortunate throughout my journey, 18 years, um, all different levels. Uh, and then also very grateful for the players that I've had the ability to coach. And I uh, learned a lot from them as well. You uh, you certainly have been a, a few places. Am I right? Is Lake Erie College that's your first first official professional job in basketball? I was a graduate assistant. It was a Division three school under the direction of Jim Dolan. Uh, he was uh, he was the head coach at the, at the time. Uh, I was also a part time employee with his painting company. So in the summers, <laughs> I actually painted uh, in downtown Cleveland um, oh. during that time period. Yeah, now uh, Lake Erie College is in Painesville. It's in Painesville, which is outside yeah. of Cleveland. Right. And what, this is just a personal side. One of my best friends is from Painesville, and it's not a place I, I don't think people hear a lot about. So the fact that you were working there and he's from there is just, to me, kind of a small world kind of thing. Um, but you, you worked at uh, Garden City Community College, West Texas College. Now, you're a native of Houston, correct? Correct. I was born and raised in Houston, and then uh, this basketball journey has taken me all over the country. Yeah. Now, Houston is a big city, a big, big city. There's a lot of things going on. I've only been to one of the airports. It's got more than one airport. That's how big it is. It's got, but uh, are you a big city guy or right now, are you any uh, small town guy? What, what, how do you kind of what's your comfort zone? I'm a basketball nomad. nomad. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty fortunate. If there's a basketball goal, two basketball goals, 10 feet high, the court is 94 feet place for me to lay my head down. I get a chance to spend time with my fiancés and I'm, I'm pretty good. Um, yeah. I'm pretty easy. I don't, I don't, I don't mind if it's a big city or if it's a small town. Uh, I just like to surround myself around great people. What, what inspired you in Houston to, to be a basketball coach? Was it, um, you're not seven foot. So what, what, what did you think? Uh, what did you think? Uh, why did you want to do pursue that career? I think at a young age, you know, you always have dreams and aspirations of playing at the highest level and you want to play in the NBA. Um, early on, I realized that that probably was not going to take place. Um, my father played college basketball. My uncle played college basketball. Uh, my cousin, who's like my brother, played college basketball. And 
I wanted to follow in their footsteps. And I fell in love with the game at an early age and felt that I could impact young men's lives from a coaching standpoint. And um, didn't really know how to go about that early in my career. Um, so I wrote letters all over the country and was fortunate to hear from Jim Dolan to get my first crack as a, as a coach at Lake Erie College. And, and there's a lot of sacrifices. And you mentioned your, your fiance. I want to, I want to get back to that. But when you're a, a young coach, uh, single, uh, recruiting a lot, you're, you're basically married to the job, I guess it would be safe to say. Uh, and you're not paid a lot. So you got to be doing it for the love, unless you're going to tell me different that you were paid a lot of money, but the, uh, the the idea that it's all going to be there at the end, uh, I guess you have to have a lot of faith in yourself that people are going to know that that everything that I do and all, like you mentioned, the letters, that somebody's going to listen and that job leads to the next job, leads to the next job. There's no, uh, there's not a lot of buying. There's a lot of renting in your line of work, right? No question. Uh, you don't do it for the money. Uh, you do it for the journey, the the, the dream. Um, and there is a lot of sacrifice. This is definitely not a nine to five. This is 24 seven, 365. Um, it's, it's not, it, it's basically your lifestyle. It, t- it mm-hmm. takes over your life, but I wouldn't want it any other way. Uh, mm-hmm. I've been very fortunate to come across a lot of great people impacted their lives as well as they impacted my lives and had a lot of success along the way as well. You know, getting a yeah. chance to win at a high level. Yeah, that, that's an, an, another thing. I think, uh, when, when people turn to the Georgia Southern Athletics website and they turn to your bio and they see what, what, uh, some of your former, uh, coaches, co-workers like Chris Beard, the way they vouch for you, they really didn't want to let you go. You could tell that this, that you were of great value and friendship to the program and to them. And these are not, uh, references where people are like, Oh, you know, he, he can come or go. It seems like, uh, they, they saw in you a greatness and, you mentioned about the success, uh, so much success, um, basically at every stop and whether it was the MEAC, um, the, the, the Sunbelt, uh, you're talking about Texas Tech is where people probably first maybe got a look at you on national TV as Texas Tech made that run through the NCAA tournament. Um, it, it, it's, 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 it's kind of, I guess, cute to me that they don't mention uh, that Texas Tech lost in the championship game. It was to Virginia. Am I wrong to bring that up? Just, uh, Still haven't watched it, Nathan, but uh, yes, we did lose to Virginia. It's nowhere in the bio that you lost that game, so there you go. Um, <laughs> but that was uh, obviously millions of people watched that. And Chris Beard, um, who I do not know, but I heard him on Jim Rome's radio show leading up to that game and after that game, uh, quite colorful, a great, great basketball coach, like right out of uh, Hollywood casting, I think. Just a guy that if he seems like a head coach. He must have had um, just a great experience at Texas Tech. It was great at Texas Tech, and actually that journey started way back in 1993. He was a manager at UT. I was a camp, uh, I was a camper at the University of Texas basketball camp, and he's kind of guided me throughout my entire career. I'd call for advice and help me with different job opportunities, and then things came full circle. Actually, right here in the Sun Belt, uh, he took over at Arkansas Little Rock. I was fortunate to have a lot of success under Lavelle Moden at NC Central. I joined Coach Beard at Arkansas Little Rock. And that's where our journey started uh, together, uh, where we were fortunate to go 30-5 and five and, and have a great run in the NCAA tournament, which allowed us to get to Texas Tech. Uh, he's great at relationships. He has a relentless work ethic, and uh, I was very fortunate for the five years I was able to work with him. It, it must have been difficult for you to leave, except the opportunity at Georgia Southern must have been like, this is, this, I've got to take a swing at this. I've got to, uh, and you might have pursued other head coaching jobs along the way, but did, did, did you feel like the timing was right uh, or it had been right, maybe? 
for myself and even Chris Beard, this was an easy decision. Um, I think we get in the coaching profession to elevate lives, not only players, but also staff members. And uh, he was in full support. He knew Georgia Southern. He knew that this is a hidden gem. Um, you know, we dream of these opportunities to become a head coach. And a guy like myself, I always say, gets one chance making the most of this opportunity. But there was no doubt in my mind whenever I had the ability to communicate with Jared Benko uh, to go through this process. This is exactly where I wanted to be. So fortunate to be here. Did did you have any doubts that you were going to be uh, able to be a head coach and not be kind of typecast or pigeonholed as a career assistant? I'm not saying that, that that's in any kind of derogatory way, but I think some people in any line of work are not seen as leaders of departments or leaders of a team. They're seen as very effective assistants or, you know, under management supervision kind of thing. Did you feel like at all and that you were uh, not building towards an eventual head coaching job that maybe people thought of you as a super recruiter, but not necessarily as a head coach? You know, that's an interesting question. Um, a lot of people might think that, but uh, for myself, Nathan, I, I just put my head down and work. And if you mm-hmm. look at my career path, every, every step that I've made, I've, I've gone up. It's, it's been career advancement. And deep down inside, internally, I, I knew this opportunity would come. And yeah. uh, very fortunate to hear at Georgia Southern. And felt like from from me going through all these different experiences, working with great coaches, I've been able to form my own philosophy. And I'm truly excited about this opportunity here at Georgia Southern. And what we're year one, we were able to put down a solid foundation. I'm ready to build on that in year two. Okay. I want to ask you uh, one more thing about uh, the, the road to Georgia Southern. And in the, the second half of the show, we'll talk about exactly what's going on at Georgia Southern, the schedule, the players that you have. But I want to let you think about this for a minute while we do a quick commercial break. Um, one of the uh, g- people that I've met in the college basketball world, also named, last name Berg, different spelling, He uh, Richard Berg, he used to be a uh, head basketball coach, and he used to go to the Final Four, I say religiously, as kind of a mecca for college basketball. Even if you weren't looking for a job, even if you didn't have any urgent business, Every college basketball coach, assistant coach, people that are movers and shakers gravitated or made a pilgrimage to the Final Four, and that was kind of like a convention. Uh, He would go every year, and he would meet coaches, and you'd look over in the lobby, and you'd see a Rick Pitino or Denny Crum or um, uh, Dean Smith, uh, Mike Krzyzewski. Everybody who was anybody was there, and the assistant coaches saw it as an opportunity to kind of introduce themselves face-to-face with these people that actually hire in business. So I wonder if you have some interesting or uninteresting story about your experience at the Final Four, um, maybe a colorful story. Think about that, and we'll come right back with Brian Berg. He's thinking about something he can say on a family network, I'm sure. No, just just uh, we'll be we'll be back right back with Brian. Uh, but let me take a break here to tell you about uh, the best source for local news in Savannah. That's the Savannah Morning News and SavannahNow.com. You want to know the latest on Georgia Southern athletics, like the men's basketball team that we're talking about now, or the football team, or all the sports, or which high school football teams are hot, which are not in the Coastal Empire. How about Savannah State's winners of six in a row? The Tigers are doing great this season in the SIAC, and uh, we also cover them in the Savannah Morning News. Uh, we have all that, plus news, features, and opinion columns. So uh, if you aren't a, scri- a subscriber, now's the time to check us out. You get a full access to our digital content for $1 for six months. That's the special right now. I checked today, $1 for six months. That's going to carry you through the rest of the fall sports into well into basketball season. And you can uh, give us a try. 
Uh, and that's practically given away. I think our guests might agree. A dollar for six months, it's like we're paying you. So uh, let's go to, if you get, if you want to try it out, go to savannahnow.com slash subscribe now and sign up. That's savannahnow.com slash subscribe now and sign up. I appreciate uh, you giving us a try. Okay, let's come back to Brian Berg, head coach of the Georgia Southern Eagles men's basketball team in his second year. And uh, we'll want to ask him about the first year, a lot, lot he had to deal with. But uh, let me ask Brian. Brian, welcome back. Uh, I hope you didn't take a long lunch break right there. But um, what, uh, what uh, do you remember any Final Four trips? I know your, your team, was Texas Tech, was in a Final Four. You're probably a little too busy to hobnob in the lobby of the main hotel. But um, maybe you did run into somebody or have a story. Is there, did anything come to mind maybe when you were a young coach and not as famous as you are now? You know, the, uh, there's, there's basically two stories. It happened in the same year. Um, Lake Erie College, I just completed my second year, so I was going to obtain my master's degree. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I made about $382 per month, so I had, had no <laughs> money. But um, I came up with the idea that I was going to drive, and I, I – I can remember correctly, it was St. Louis. So I left Ohio, drove to St. Louis, and I didn't have enough money for a hotel room. So oh, no. I had blankets in the back seat of my SUV and uh, a pillow, and I crashed in the SUV. I wore my slacks and a polo shirt and uh, had all my resumes, and I didn't really know what I was doing, but I enjoyed every minute of it. And I'd walk up and down the you know the, the streets of St. Louis. I'd go to the headquarters where all the coaches were, and you know, just give my uh, resume out because I was searching for a job. I came across, actually, interesting stories. I came across Bill Rafferty, uh, announcer, mm-hmm. and had a short conversation with him and told him who I was. And, you know, it, it kind of, things kind of come full circle as we're making the NCAA tournament run. I think we're in Anaheim. He might have did the game, got a chance to visit with him. and I dropped him a note before we played that game against Gonzaga and just said, hey, thanks so much for the conversation we had and the impact. I've had the ability to keep in touch with him since that day. But it's interesting. You go to those events, Final Four convention, you get a chance to see maybe some of your coaching heroes have a short conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a lifelong uh, impact that they can have on your career. So went to St. Louis, packed my car, stayed in my vehicle because I didn't have a hotel room, um, and then tried to meet as many people as I possibly can and built on it from there. I wonder what they thought when they saw this kid, uh, maybe a little rumpled looking. I don't know how comfortable it is to sleep in the back of an SUV. Uh, you, you didn't roll out looking like a million bucks in your Brooks Brothers suit. Uh, so you must have made a good impression just with uh, your earnestness and, and what you had to say and your your sincere desire to be the best you could be in college basketball. And I wonder if uh, Bill Raftery, of course, CBS Sports and all that, if he, um, if he just uh, thought, you know that kid I met a long time ago. You were like what, early twenties, back then? Uh, I was, um, yeah, I was, I was right out of college, so I was, I was at a young age. But Circle K had a nice bathroom. I was able to wet down the hair, and I was ready to go. <laughs> These are the kind of road tips we all need, Coach. <laughs> uh, I, mean, I got a lot of them from my junior college days of recruiting too. So I can, I, I, I can yeah, I heard you, you. I heard you tell one a few months ago at the Four City Gun Club that I don't know if we have time to get into it, but just classic <laughs> stuff. Um, the, the, the things at the time, in the moment, that you might be thinking, oh, what am I doing? What, what, uh, how is this ever going to work? How, what are my parents thinking right now? But you, I guess you came from a sports background with your, your family. So maybe they knew exactly the road you were headed on. And they were like, let's give him a, a wide berth. Let's give him some time. There's not pressure to get a real job kind of thing. Uh, 
did you did you feel like you had the blessings of everybody and then you you were going to have time to to get to this point here in, in 2020 when you you were hired at Georgia Southern? I think as a basketball coach, you're betting on yourself. I have a supportive family, but I, I bet on myself. I <clears throat> I did a lot of things with without hardly any money, uh, but this was a dream that I had, and I think. If you have a passion, you have a dream, you should pursue it. You know, a lot of things aren't done for money. And I, I just wanted to pursue my dream day after day and continue to strive to to try to make a, a name for myself. And like I said, I've been very fortunate to work with great people, which helped me uh, throughout my career journey. You, um, I, I do want to get to the team, and I don't want to take up more time than I promised you here, but um, you all throughout, you're known as a great recruiter. And uh, I don't know if you want to categorize that as being part salesman, part basketball, X's and O's guys, part people person, part being on time, uh, part for making a great first impression. I don't know. What are the what are your keys to recruiting somebody? Um, because they're, they're probably if you're recruiting them, they're probably being recruited by other places as well. Not probably. Definitely. What are, what are your keys to being a great recruiter? I think I think first and foremost is be a true teller. And that's few and far between this day and age. I'll just tell the truth. Uh, whenever you don't have any money, you fi- you figure out that hey, your your word is your bond. Yeah, that you, that's where you can str- have a strong foundation in regards to relationships. And I, I've found over the course of time is being consistent and being a truth teller. Uh, if you want to be persistent and you're in recruiting, have discipline, have consistency, and then tell them the truth. I think this day and age you don't see that a lot, but people respect you. You're going to find out early on either, hey, they don't like it and they'll run away or two, they'll crave it. So mm-hmm. I've been very fortunate just by telling the truth. And then I think it gives you a foundation to to build a real relationship. And that's that's kind of the secret that I'd have in recruiting. Do you feel like you're, what you hear when you talk to a recruit on, on his living room couch, let's say, or, or wherever you're allowed to see him, that you're going up against other recruiters that don't play by the rules, that – that the kid is saying, well, I'm, I was thinking that this is what the reality was, but you're saying, no, this is the reality. This is what actually the truth is. This is what they should be telling you about what what what's ahead for you in college. Do you feel like you're going up against people that kind of plant unrealistic expectations in these kids? I think in coaching and recruiting, you have to be yourself. And I think uh, this day and age in society, everyone wants the prize. They want the prize at the end. But you have to have a plan to be able to obtain the prize. And sometimes that plan can be extremely aggressive and intimidating. Um, but if you lay it out there, you ex- express a plan that you have for each prospect, you're genuine about your plan, you have real relationships with your players, uh, then your culture allows you to recruit as well. And that's what we've established in year one. I like the direction we're going. Uh, I don't really focus on our opponents in regards to who they might be recruiting or the way they're recruiting. I want to be who I am. I want to be true to myself. And then whenever I build a relationship, it's going to be based on truth. Well, you've got um, a, go- a great uh, selling point with Georgia Southern. Um, I'm sure you point out all the good things that are there and that are coming. I believe the Convocation Center is in the, in the future. But, uh, I mean, I, you, you probably can't wait for that thing to be built. Yeah, it's extremely exciting. Uh, I do like Hanner Fieldhouse. It's the toughest place to play in the Sun Belt. But extremely fortunate for our administration. Uh, for what they've been able to do in regards to our new convocation. Uh, can't wait for that to be built. It'll be a, a game changer here at Georgia Southern, but not only about the convocation, we have, we have a fine institution, uh, great academic programs, uh, great people, and, and a great community. This community backs Georgia Southern. Um, so if you look at the overall picture of Georgia Southern, it's, there's a lot to sell here. 
Yeah, I think you, you, you keep calling it a hidden gem and, and it's, you can't hide when you're at the convocation center. How big, how big is that place supposed to be for basketball? You know, I've heard anywhere from 5,000, 8,000. Um, I'm just ecstatic. It's going to be a great cutting edge design, cutting edge facility that is definitely going to impact our program as well as our women's program with Coach Howard. Yeah, Coach Howard. That, well, we could talk for half an hour at least just on her. Uh, you broke up a little bit when you were talking about the uh, the uh, size of the arena. What could you say that number again? That range? Yeah, I had range anywhere from fifty five, five like five thousand to eight thousand. Uh, I think it all depends on overall cost, but um, I think they're working through those details at the moment. And mm. at the end of the day, the facility is going to be cutting edge. And, and you're going to be able to make it a very unpleasant, uh, not friendly confines for the opposing team, right? You'll have you'll still have that feel of they're 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 kind of surrounded. So the, um, the, the, you came in last season, uh, as that new head coach and you faced a couple of major things that I don't know if coaches really can anticipate or expect to have happen. One was the pandemic and we could address that, I guess, relatively briefly in that the, the Sunbelt conference came up with a, a very unique schedule to give everybody kind of a fighting chance to get the games in, which is the conference games were Fridays and Saturdays, correct? You didn't play right. this Tuesday, Wednesday, kind of Saturday, Sunday kind of schedule where you're in a, on the bus a lot. You would make one road trip a week or, or you'd be at home that week. You conversely, and you could play two games in about 26, 30 hours. I guess you play Friday night and maybe Saturday afternoon or evening and you would play the same team back to back, um, in the conference, kind of like baseball does regularly and some other sports. Did you kind of find, find that refreshing and, and kind of a, a nice way to have like a week to build up to the next game? Or did you say this back-to-back stuff, it just wears you out? You, you, you split the series so many times, it seems like. I, uh, I'd like to go back to the you know traditional format where it'd be Thursday, Saturday, or other conferences might go Wednesday, Saturday, and then you're playing different opponents. Uh, my 18 years of coaching, I never had the experience of playing the same opponent at the same location Friday, Saturday. So it was very unique, but that might be something, uh, I guess you could say, Minimal in regards to uniqueness last year in regards to just the overall season. Um, mm-hmm. Very challenging during the pandemic and everything else that was taking place. And then also the new rules of the one-time transfer. Uh, there's been a lot of changes over the last, say, 16, 17 months. Yeah. That one time you just led me to my next thing. Uh, now, this is uh, – tell me if this is correct. It's right from the website. Last season's team, the 2021 roster, that's your first George Southern team, had five lettermen, two scholarships players which was tied for the fourth least in the country it's not something you want to be high up on generally speaking also your nine newcomers tied for you know if you're going to have very few returning guys you're going to have a lot of newcomers nine newcomers fourth most tied for fourth most in the country so i guess the good news is you shouldn't be that high up there next season or this coming season right what how do you even handle that when you have so many new faces and guys that maybe you were counting on from uh, the previous year's team with the previous head coach that they left, uh, maybe a lot of them before you even got hired, right? Uh, no question. No question. Um, also might want to throw in a, a brand new staff because we did put together <laughs> a staff in, during the yeah. pandemic as well. Um, which speaking on the staff, I'm very fortunate to work with great guys. And uh, we set the foundation in year one. Uh, I think a lot of people don't realize how important it is to have a spring, have a full summer of seven to eight weeks, also have a preseason. As our staff met earlier this week, um, we had started maybe our fourth workout today 
uh, with this with the program last year, which is pretty remarkable because we've had the ability to go through an entire summer so far. But um, we, we we worked uh, immediately whenever we hit the ground running with a, a whole new staff, a whole new roster, uh, and then tried to implement our culture and then implement our schemes. Uh, it's very challenging in year one because you didn't have that time in the summer. But uh, we were able to continue to try to grow throughout the year. Uh, and I'm extremely excited about nine letter winners returning and then also a recruiting class. Um, I've mentioned it numerous times. Our culture is intact. Guys are, have a work, work, worker man's mentality. And uh, that's been implemented since we since we got here. That's what we focus on on a day to day basis. I think to back up what you just said, Georgia Southern, you know, went 13 and 13 last season. And I think Dana Reed said this on the radio yesterday. It's just amazing you got 13 wins when you consider all the stuff that you had to go through. Um, but I know you're not satisfied with 13 and 13 by any means. But uh, statistically, uh, fourth in the Sun Belt in scoring defense, first in turnovers forced, which you must love, and third in steals. That's the kind of culture or, or scheme foundation that you've been getting at, right? That if you ha- if you those are certain foundations of a team you can go places with that kind of uh, productivity i would think well nathan defense travels and uh like this year our schedule we'll play we'll play 17 road games uh you have to have a foundation on the defensive end and uh, that's going to travel and that's going to allow you to play in february late february march uh into postseason basketball and that has to be the identity Uh, it's allowed us to win conference championships and make ncaa runs if you have a foundation of of defense, then uh, it's going to put yourself in the best position to win. I appreciate you uh, hanging out with me this time. I did want to get to that. So 16 quote-unquote road games, one neutral site game, so that makes 17 games away from Hanner, 13 games at Hanner. I don't know who made your schedule, but they didn't make it that easy. And then you open with Ball State, but they're they're here. They're, they're you know based in Muncie, Indiana. Ball State was uh, 10 and 13 last year, but and I know there's a but. The way they ended last season as the eighth seed in the conference tournament. And they nearly knocked off regular season champion Toledo. And this is last year's team, albeit uh, lost to them in overtime. So you, you take a team with that kind of the last time out. I know it was last season, but 10 and 13, but they have a lot of guys back, a very senior, a very veteran roster. And you're playing them here. This is not a kind of a cupcake opener that coaches may not talk about, but they may, they may appreciate. You're opening with a team from Indiana in basketball. That's not, that's not something you check off normally. It's a huge game for us, uh, not just Ball State. They're very well coached. Um, we have our hands full in regards to the November 9th game against Ball State, but look at the overall schedule. Campbell will be picked top of their league. Moorhead State will be picked top of their league, uh, either first or second. Um, Mercer, Coach Gary, does an unbelievable job. Um, the schedule is extremely challenging. Don't extremely forget challenging, Georgia Tech. <laughs> yeah, no question. Georgia Tech um, with Coach Pashner uh, will play a, a very – a new team, but a very ex- experienced with transfer-heavy uh, South Florida. And then also right before Christmas, we're going to go to New York and play Fordham uh, yeah. with an unbelievable first-year head coach. Does a great job with his guys. Um, it's, the schedule is extremely challenging, but if you look at our roster, we have an experienced group. Mm-hmm. Our season's going to boil down to three games in the Sunboat, Sunboat Conference Tournament. So why not put our guys through, through the test early on, uh, having the ability to play a lot of games on the road? I think it's a great challenge, and that's why we constructed it this way and uh, really looking forward to getting the season started. Let me get in our last remaining moments. Let me ask you about the roster that you do have. Um, if you had to pick, I know it's uh, it's only October still, but if you had to pick your main players, like we could start with a, a 
sample lineup, ten, tentative starting lineup, who would who would you uh, send out on the court for the opening tap? Uh, Nathan, we got a whole bunch of guys that are that are willing. You know, think about it. Nine letter winners. These guys are coming back into year two of the program. Um, extremely excited about all nine guys. <clears throat> you look at Elijah McCadden. Um, mm-hmm. He's been here. He's an extremely talented player. You know, um, also you have, you know, Caden Archie, you know, Getty, Gazapitis, um, Amari Brown, you know, is, is the leader of the team, uh, has unbelievable character. Uh, Andre Saversov has probably made a huge jump this offseason. You know, transfer from Texas Tech. Prince Toyambi is one of the better yeah. offensive rebounders in the country. Grant Weatherford with his leadership. You know his, you know his his journey that he's been on. Uh, he's had a great summer as well as as fall. Um, then you also have, you know, Cam Bryant. We did have one injury in regards to Mackenzie McFadden. Um, he's taking it the right way. He's already going through all his rehab. And then, um, you know, the addition of of four newcomers. Trey Cobbs is an experienced player, six year senior. Has mm-hmm. been to NCAA tournaments in Northern Kentucky. Carlos Curry. He played for. For Kermit Davis at Ole Miss, also mm-hmm. recently played junior college basketball. Uh, and then Manny Harris, uh, one of the top guards in the state of Georgia. He's a true freshman uh, out of Camilla, Mitchell County High School. And then last is uh, Amar Aguilar, who came from Chicago. So I really like this roster. Um, I think there's a lot of talent here to us, to, you know, to mold this talent, put it together, um, have a defensive mindset because the defense is going to travel, and then uh, keep the unit together the entire season. Give, our, give ourselves the best chance to win. Well, Coach, um, you, you, you mentioned a lot of guys there who, uh, and they came from all over the place. You got guys from other countries. Uh, you just, uh, your, uh, your reach on your recruiting, uh, I don't know if there's any bounds on it. You, if you, if there's a guy you like, uh, and obviously you're going to try to get him, and, and, and you mentioned Kermit Davis, a, a, a coach that you had coached under. So you use your, your connections to hear about, players that are out there that um, can maybe be a big contributors to the Georgia Southern program and uh, are looking for an opportunity. So uh, you're providing that. It sounds like uh, you've, you, you haven't made anything easy on them with that schedule, but you guys have the, the kind of the guys that you, you, you're going to go in the foxhole with and fight it out, I guess, and, and uh, battle. And when you get to the conference schedule, you'll be that much more tested, I guess. That's the plan. You know, an experienced group, guys that have one common goal, and that's to win. And uh, we've been able to go through that this summer, you know, having the group here this summer and then also going through a preseason and now training camp, 30 practices over 42 days before our first game. This allows us to grow and mesh. Uh, but, yeah, the, we're going to have an underdog mentality. Um, we're going to put our heads down and work. That's the only way to have success. we got a quality group. I like this group. I like the talent that we have on the team. Uh, it's up to us to be able to play together night in and night out and uh, have success. Um, I do want to circle back real quick to McFadden. You said he, he's injured. Is that a season uh, injury or, or something he might be expected back before the season concludes? Yes, McKenzie ended up popping his knee as an ACL this summer. Uh, it was a tough blow. A phenomenal basketball player, but even better better human, better person. Um, he's going to be able to get through this adversity. We've talked uh, extensively about you know, him continuing to rehab. Uh, I'm excited for him to get back to the court. It will take some time, uh, but uh, we're going to take it day by day as he continues to rehab. But he has the right mentality. He's a winner. and uh, Very fortunate that he's part of our program. Okay. I, you mentioned your fiance. Um, 
I, I, I was lucky enough to meet her. I guess you were lucky enough to meet her, first of all. I was lucky enough to meet uh, you and her at the Fourth City Gun Club. Tell me her name, and uh, once again, if you guys have a date, I'm sure it's not at the at halftime of the Ball State game. No, it's not at halftime, but uh, me and Reese are doing great. She's made it down to Statesboro, and uh, things are good. We're still focused on a date. Um, she might get a little bit frustrated with me due to uh, the recruiting model, but of um, you know trying to sign players in the spring, but. We're going to focus on that date and uh, move forward from there, but very fortunate for her. Okay. Well, hey, congratulations on everything, on all your success uh, previously and, and, and on, at this point forward. I, I really appreciate you being on the show. Uh, I, I hope to see you uh, very shortly before the season starts. I know you're going to be in Savannah. And if you want to give a plug uh, to that, uh, I think you and Coach Howard are scheduled to speak at the um, the uh, Georgia Southern uh, support, uh, you know, alumni booster function at uh, Kerry Hilliard's on October 28th, I think, whatever that Thursday noon is, uh, you're scheduled to appear in Savannah? Yeah, I can't wait. Very fortunate to go with Coach Howard. Uh, she always has unbelievable energy. Can't <laughs> wait to hear about the women's basketball program and then allow myself to talk a little bit about our men's basketball program. But it'll be a great event. It'll be a tough act to follow. You may want to go first. You got it. <laughs> okay. Coach Berg, thanks very much for being on the Georgia Southern Extra podcast. And I uh, hope to see you again soon and maybe have you back on the show. Uh, at some point during the season, during the basketball season, or, or whenever we can get you. So thanks very much, Coach, and everybody. Uh, thanks for listening to Georgia Southern Extra. Once again, we're taping on Tuesday, and uh, we'll be back next week, and we'll talk some more football, and then we'll look ahead to the basketball season coming up before you know it. So thanks very much, everybody. Have a great day. Thanks so much, Nathan. Thank you, Coach. Is taking care of things right now. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown. Georgia Southern.